Hello, this is a re-recording of our August 12th message at South Meriden Trinity United Methodist Church. Would you pray with me, please? Gracious God of love, how loving must we be to follow you? We seek the answer to this question in our hearts, day in and day out, and we seek your grace to help us to find that answer today. And so may the words of our mouths and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable unto thee, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer, either through us or in spite of us. Speak to us, thy people, we pray. Amen. I hope and pray that you've been enjoying our sermon series this summer on firing up a saving faith. There are still some study guides for the series available on the back table, and I encourage you to take one if you haven't already. I know that many of you have done just that, and judging by the number of new guides we printed, many of you have shared them with others too. It's encouraging to see people taking an interest in Christian discipleship. At the end of the day, if we don't work on a saving faith now, it's not going to be there for us and our loved ones when we need it the most. We also handed out all kinds of materials at Tuesday's National Night Out event in Hubbard Park. Hundreds of people visited our table there, many of them families, and each of them were seeking out in their own way the tools for a saving faith. For some people, it was taking one of our flyers on on what a church is, hoping to explain it maybe to loved ones who had never seen or understood what a church is. That's now close to 20% of adults in America, my sisters and brothers in Christ. That's right. One in five adults don't have the slightest idea what a church is, much less what a saving faith is. For other people, it was allowing their children to experience our God bags with a special note to moms and dads about exploring the God bag stories and activities with their kids. And when dozens of God bags had disappeared, Jeannie King shared God's love with kids as she applied joyful decals on their hands, silently praying for each of them as she dabbed the decal on. While the kids were waiting for their decals, the parents and older children spoke with me about our many mission programs and our worship activities. One older child actually begged her mother to be able to take home one of our free Bibles, and her mother said no. But soon enough, the girl came back and she grabbed it. People want that feeling of a God who loves, shares, and cares for everyone. A God who knows that every single one of us is meant to belong to God. As encouraging as all of this is, though, it takes a church to find a saving faith. Amen? There's no quick fix that brings us into a saving relationship with God. You can't buy a saving faith at Walmart or Amazon or whip one up in one reading of a self-help book. A saving faith comes from God's loving grace 
in the middle of Christian discipleship. A saving faith is what happens when we learn the hard lessons together of how to, a really, how to really apply God's love to the toughest challenges of our lives, no matter what. Here we are, 12 weeks into our season of Pentecost. Many of us probably don't even notice or remember that we are in a season of Pentecost, not just marking time after the day that we celebrate the fire of God's Holy Spirit transforming the followers of Jesus, 50 days after his resurrection. Pentecost is supposed to be a season of joy, the season when we're supposed to start growing our Christian discipleship together, getting ready for harvesting the fruits of faith that we'll need to endure in the months ahead. That's why we've kept our Pentecost altar design all of these weeks. We are in the season of fire for a reason, to fire up our saving faith. Without a saving faith, Pentecost is just a season when we park our faith at the beach and forget what we need to grow stronger in a love for God that will really save us and bring us the joy and magic of faith in our lives. Will your faith be there when you need it? Will you find the saving love of God when life's challenges take you away from comfortable solutions into a great space beyond our comfort zone? Because, after all, that's where the magic happens. If we hold on to our stubborn habits, if we hold on to lies about who we are and what we do, if we refuse to look at the truth of the real world on God's terms and not our terms, then we miss the magic and strength and peace that God's love has prepared for us. One day, many years ago, we had a birthday party for our son Christopher. We invited all of our family and close friends to the party, including my mother. I loved my mother very much, but she was a good person with a very bad drinking problem, and it was a problem that was very embarrassing to me and others that day. When her drinking problem was bad, it would lead her to say and do hurtful things more times than I can count. I grew up terrified of her drinking and its consequences. And yet, that day, I was starting to find a saving faith in my life. Through the love of God emerging in my faith life, I found compassion for her and courage to say something true and loving that was very tough to say and to hear. In a quiet part of the house, I found her and I said a sentence that rolled out of my mouth through God's grace and God's grace alone. Mom, the family is concerned about your drinking. I said it with peace in my heart, peace that came from God and God alone. A saving faith is not a game, just another empty phrase. A saving faith is a life and death matter. A saving faith is about getting ready for life's toughest challenges with the love of God in our hearts 
in knowing that we are prepared to find the magic of joy outside of our comfort zone that God alone can provide us in Christian living. When I said those words to my mother, I was liberated to find God's joy at long last. And I knew that I would find it because I knew that other people had found it through God's love in their hearts, people who encouraged me forward towards the strength of God's love. In today's reading from Ephesians, we're moving deeper into the challenges that a saving faith is meant to prepare us for. We've heard already how rich, how wide, how deep, and how strong a saving faith can be. Now, in chapter 4, this letter from early Christians tells us about just how loving we have to be when we put our saving faith to work. In the Common English Bible translation that we're using, the must-do words are highlighted in italics. Each of us must, must tell the truth to our neighbor. If you've been rationalizing an ugly truth away, first purify your heart and speak the truth with love to yourself and God and with others in your circle of faith. We do this every week in our faith groups on Wednesday evenings, and it offers us the courage that we need to tell painful truths to ourselves and others with peace. And then, when your saving faith is ready to support you, along with the prayers of your faith group, get ready to move out of your comfort zone to set God's magic into motion with simple and truthful, loving words. But then, be ready for the consequences. When we speak the truth with love, the evil that has embraced others will reach out for us. The devil will fight back against a truth spoken in love. The devil will lie and punch and ridicule anyone and everyone they need to, rather than to face God's truth in the light of Christian love. And so Ephesians gives us the real key to our saving faith. God's love and truth will save us from destroying ourselves and others through the hurt and lies that evil puts in motion. Be angry, but do not sin. Own your feelings, own your hurt from the sin that has hurt you and others. Honor your anger, but don't worship it. Don't let your anger from the hurt that evil has put on your life consume you and lead you to that same hurt. Because when you do that, the unity of God's love is broken. Your covenant friendship with God and with the people of God, known as God's church, is broken. You're exposed in easy pickings for spiritual evil that can consume us and the world so easily. And sadly, that evil will come dressed as very familiar friends, family, and sometimes even the people of the church. Evil knocks on our door so politely, and before you know it, we're afraid to speak God's truth with love for fear of exposing our own truths of compromise and deceit. A saving faith is indeed rich 
and wide and deep and strong, because a saving faith is loving. Loving so powerful that simple, peaceful words and actions can stop evil dead in its tracks. To have this kind of love, love that brings Jesus back to life in the death culture that consumes this world, to have this love of Jesus come alive, we must commit ourselves to a Christian life. We can't fake it. We can't whisper our way past evil's graveyard. We can't treat the church like a lawn party and expect that evil will politely walk away from us, our families, our friends, and God's world. Today, in this place, the saving love of Jesus Christ, God's Savior for a world that belongs to God, calls us to purify our hearts together in Christian discipleship, to fire up our faith in the unity of God's Holy Spirit together, and to be the church that Christ died on a cross for. There is no substitute for this church born from Christ. There is no substitute for a saving faith. Let's seek the pure love of Christ together and become God's pure and loving church together for our sake and for the sake of all God's creation. Amen.